Welcome back. Welcome back. Charlotte, Rock Hill, Gastonia, surrounding area, 704. What's good? I am your host, Jamal, the happy black fan on this beautiful Sunday, Sunday afternoon here in Mecklenburg County. To, to the bottom, I have my light-skinned brethren, Mr. Kaiser Sose. What's good, brother? What's good? And to my top left, we have Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson in the building. What's going on, my man? Hey, man, we won, man. I'm happy, man. It's, 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 it, it, this reminds me of when Cam was here. Good time. <laughs> Kaiser, no, uh, no cigars. No cigars popping today, man. Get another little one this week. A little cigarette <laughs> popping. Okay. We saving, we saving the big ones for when we pull off this win against Kansas City in a few I, weeks. I, I can I can dig it, man. I don't know about that, but I can dig it. Um, little little Jim Bean for me today, man. Little little victory liquor today, man. So for those who are tuning in, uh, maybe you have just watched the Carolina Panthers defeat the Arizona Cardinals thirty-one to twenty-one which is the Panthers' second victory in a row. Don't know if we were ever expecting to say that at any point during the season. We're going to jump right into it, guys. Rodney, let me get you first, man. What are your thoughts on today's game? Man, look, dear Matt Rule, I will buy that used car from you, brother. <laughs> man, look, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm happily eating my words. This team is playing inspired behind him. And, and I love that the, the, that 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 young defense is just flying around the field, man. And and and, and finally, man, masterful game from Teddy Bridgewater, man. You earned my props. No shit talking today, man. That 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 was that was a beautiful performance, Teddy. Let me let me say something, man. Him and the him and the chemistry Robbie Anderson has shown the last couple of weeks, man. It's tell you, dude, man. That, it's, it's something special, man. Kaiser, what what are your thoughts on today's game, brother? Well, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Because I'm not going to win last week. Uh, although, to be fair, that had more to do with a lack of faith in Arizona uh, rather than really feeling good about what Carolina was going to do. Did you know that of all the non-divisional matchups, the Panthers and the Cardinals have played the most over the last 20 years, which is crazy. That's wild to me. It's something every year. The Panthers have, for the most part, dominated that little yeah. rivalry. So I didn't think that would change much this week. But as far as the actual game, uh, the Panthers looks super solid. They cleaned up a lot of the mistakes that they had the previous <clears throat> um, three weeks. Uh, a lot of the the just, the just the little stuff. I would have liked to see more intensity and discipline near the end of the game. I yeah, know yeah, it was in hand. It was kind of garbage time. But see, that's how you turn into the Atlanta Falcons. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for instance, late in the fourth quarter, Phil Snow called what was essentially a prevent defense. Three pass rushers, eight drop back in coverage. Why? 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 They're, Why? Down, they're only down – Three, three scores, true, in five minutes, but prevent defense. Kyler Murray could get another 48-yard run, and now we got a ball game. Yeah, You got to keep that. Whatever got you there, keep it up. And I think the coaching staff will fix that. I think they've so, so far fixed most of the <coughs> their first three weeks, and that's why we won the game. Let me tell, let me tell you, what was, let me tell you what, was, what was impressive with me as well. The running game today, man. Mike oh, Davis. Yeah. Mike Davis showed up and showed out. And we finally they finally listened to me and played Reggie Bonifant. That dude has home run potential, man. I, I'm I'm telling you, man. And then, and then Teddy Bridgewater did his best Cam Newton impression today <laughs> with that touchdown run. I'm I'm feeling inspired about the team, man. I'm telling uh, my, you. My only knock on Teddy today was that that pick. Well, not just that pick. If he's got to throw more than twelve yards, you might get sketchy. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah. Almost, he essentially threw a pick into the end zone early in the game, and yeah. luckily, you know, the defender didn't come down with both feet inbounds. And then he threw a pick. The receiver was open; it just wasn't placed well. And you know, one of the big things that we hear about Teddy Bridgewater is how accurate he is. And I think that, yeah, if you look at his completion percentage, you'll say, "Wow, he's pretty accurate." But as we all know, like with Cam Newton. Completion percentage and accuracy are honestly two different things. Yeah, if he's throwing these little short – I mean, he had 37 attempts but only 276 yards. Of course he's going to throw for over 70%. 
I like, I, I don't know if you can really improve on uh, accuracy through the air. Uh, I, that might be a natural talent. I, I, I don't know. But that's the one thing in his game he's got to shore up. Otherwise, he looked really solid, great decisions making, um, was able to move the change. And Joe Brady called an a great game. game. I think yeah. that was the biggest difference. When you score touchdowns early, it opens it up for everybody. Yeah. Defense ain't tired. They can pin their ear, ears back. They can get after the quarterback. Uh, Kyler Murray was under pressure. We didn't get a lot of sacks, but, you know, we did have a fumble. Brian Burns looked good. This is what happens when your offensive coordinator says, oh, you know, if we score seven points here, we're in a much better position than if we scored three. So, hey, um, back to Reggie Bonifant real quick, um, guys. I have created a new term. I, it, it is it is a, it is an, a, a word that is officially in the English language now. It is called burstability. Yes, it's <laughs> it's a word. I have I have coined it that term. Burstability. And burstability, and that's what Reggie Bonifant has. Um, and, and I, I want to get back to uh to to Rodney's point about the running game, man. Now. Look, man, Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifant, they gave us something to be excited about. But you know the hot takes are coming. You know oh, the yeah. takes are coming. I thought about that now, all game. <laughs> now, now, listen. Now, listen. Look, I, for one, my opinion is I can't wait till McCaffrey gets back so we can have at least a two-back system. So that leads to the question, guys. <laughs> I hate – look, I almost hate asking this. But I have to. Go ahead, man. Go, go. Is Christopher? Did we did we give too much money to Christopher McCaffrey? And and is he expendable? God, I feel like I need a shower. I didn't even want to ask that question. So last year I was killed for saying that I don't think a running back should be paid sixteen million. Um, I mean, Christian is different. There were a few plays where. If Mike had a little more wiggle to him, that could have been a home run. Right. And I, I, I understand that we're two and two and zero oh without CMC, but basically those two games to me were basically preseason games. We we, we, didn't, we didn't have those necessary reps against other players. I'm more interested in seeing what happens when Christian comes back. How we use Mike Davis and Bonifon in the system. Right. So Christian McCaffrey gives us options that we don't have now. And in the context of him being injured, it's important to note that teams game plan. Yeah. Everyone knows that McCaffrey's our best player. So he's gone. So what are you, you going to game plan against the running game? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Game plan against Teddy Bridgewater and the wide receivers. And if, if you're Arizona, you're happy with Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifon beating you instead of, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who actually kind of you know beat him with his legs as well. Yeah, um, it's just one of those one of those things. I, I'm not saying that Mike Davis and, and Reggie, uh, you know, benefited only because the the Cardinals weren't paying attention to him or to them. But I do think that they weren't game planning for those guys, and that makes a big difference in you know your performance. We'll see next next week. Do you think the Falcons are just gonna let? Mike Davis run well they might, but conventional uh, <laughs> <laughs> wisdom says yeah, they yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, but right, that, so. and look and look and look, guys. You would think the Panthers fan base ha would have learned their lesson by these hot takes after two games after last season. You yeah. would think we, we would know by now to not jump the gun on these things as yet. But look, we love shiny new toys. We get excited. But we'll see how it goes, man. There's a lot of season left, man. Um, wanted to bring up Teddy Bridgewater again, man. 26-37, 276, 7.5 yards uh, per pass. I want to highlight that. Is that a big deal? Is a 7.5 yards per pass a, a big deal? Uh, to me, Teddy Magnum Bridgewater is what, he's <laughs> worth, is, is what we thought he was going to be. I mean, 7.5. I mean, I, I didn't expect any more. That's right. about around the average what I expect. I mean, he's not going to lose you games. If 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 anything, he's 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 going he's a game manager. He he's he's going to check into the right person. He's not going to take those unnecessary risks. Sometimes he should take a risk, but he's not. I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, as long as his defense keeps playing the way it's playing, and 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 and, and actually changing things up, I'm fine with it. Kaza, what you got? 
Um, it, I mean, it really just depends on the, the kind of the, the identity that the, the Carolina Panthers want, um, you know, their offense to have. To put that in, into perspective, um, the last time Cam Newton was healthy as a Carolina Panther, the year that he threw sixty, he threw for sixty-eight percent of his passes mm-hmm. with a bomb shoulder. His yards per completion were seven exactly. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show that you know you you, you can't have it both ways. Either you got to throw longer and have a yeah. lower completion percentage, or you throw shorter and you have a higher completion percentage. And I think our, our, the Panthers offense is predicated around that style of play. Um, so I, I don't think it's that much of a concern. It would be more of a concern if uh, the Panthers offense wasn't averaging, what, 26 points a game throughout yeah, the right. three right. games of the season. And Which ultimately, that's all that really matters. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I will say it on, on third downs, though, it is a bit of a concern. The Panthers did much better on third down today. Uh, last week, you know, they were three of 12. And part of that is because when they had to go long, the, it, it, it wasn't there because that's just not Teddy Bridgewater's game. He's, yeah, not, right. he's not looking right. to go long. He's, he's going to throw short, have his, his guys make plays. Hey, hey, Jamal, I, Jamal, I got a question for you, man. Yeah. So. Let me ask you a question. Isaiah Isaiah Simmons versus Jeremy Chin. <laughs> what do you think, man? What you got to try to take it? Um, I'm I'm sorry, dude. I didn't I didn't hear Isaiah Simmons' name too much today, man. Was that the was that the the highly touted uh, linebacker that we supposedly passed up that Derrick Brown wasn't supposed to be better than? You talking about that guy, right? Man, Derrick Brown was blowing up that backfield, man. I'm man, Derrick Brown listen, was good, man. Oh, listen, man. Congrats to Derrick Brown for having a kid. No, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I I heard that on the broadcast. Now I, I do want to get back to Jeremy Chainman, I, and I noticed something. There was a drive where Kyler Murray, uh, you know, had a, what a, a 35, 45 yard run, 48. and I noticed that like um, the Panthers were using these packages where they were putting Jeremy Chin essentially as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. On that particular drive, Jermaine Carter was in place of Jeremy Chin. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy Chin is a guy that you don't really give him a position. You just kind of stick him out in the middle of the field and just kind of tell him to do whatever he does. Yeah. And those, right, right. And I noticed when Kyler Murray uh, goes crazy, Jeremy Chin's not on the field. And I'm just like, what's up with that? Like, the proof is in the pudding, man. That guy <laughs> needs to be taking the majority of the defensive snaps. He needs to be on the field. He is doesn't necessary. He, doesn't he remind you of Thomas Davis? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because Shaq Thompson is supposed to be the heir apparent to Thomas Davis's uh, thrown on outside linebacker, but Jeremy Chin has shown that that's his side of the field. Uh, he he can cover well, and yeah, I think the I think Kyler Murray Murray noticed Chin wasn't on that side of the field, and yeah. like, you know what? Yep. I can I'm just take off. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do. Um, there's a viewer that did ask a, a question or, or made a comment that I want to address. Um, uh, Anthony Badillo basically uh, says that Teddy should embrace using his legs more. I mean, look, man. Here's how I feel about that. I'll let you guys go go af- after me, man. You look at that one amazing run Teddy Bridgewater had, and you say the same thing. You're like, man, this dude has some wheels, man. But in the back of my mind, at least. It's like I'm always thinking about the injury history with him. You know what I mean? And I don't know. And maybe he is, too. I, You know, I don't know that for sure. But I don't know if the Panthers should go as far as doing, like, maybe design runs. They did do a design bootleg run for Teddy, uh, I think, in the first quarter, which, you know, was kind of low risk. But I don't know if that should be a regular thing. What, what do you guys think about that? I, I agree with what you're saying, man. I He's not that big of a guy. He, yeah, he can't, he can't take that punishment like a camp can take. He to me, to me, he's smart enough to know when to use the legs and get down. So, I I, 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 I would use it, but I wouldn't use it. I would use it sparingly, not not, not a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, in today's NFL, your mobile quarterbacks are either Russell Wilson or Cam Newton. You got a guy who is mobile and can run when the play breaks down. Mm-hmm. Or you got a guy who you say, you know, we're going to specifically run plays for that guy because nobody can stop him. Mm-hmm. 
I would if if Teddy can be more of that Russell Wilson because the thing is Russell Wilson's not really known as a running quarterback, but he is. I mean, he yeah. leads the team in rushing consistently. He's done it over a season, uh, and I'm not sure we want Teddy to even be that, considering how good our running back core appears to be. Right. Um, but I I do think there are times where I think Teddy and the Panthers could benefit from him saying the play's broken down. Let me let me try running it uh, instead of, you know, some questionable d- decisions. So absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, guys, this guy, Robbie Anderson, man. I mean, he look, I, I think it's it's pretty clear at this point who, who the number one receiver is. Yeah. With, with that being said, I will I will ask this this question again. The same question I asked last week. Is this affecting DJ Moore's performance on the field? Do you think it is mentally affecting DJ Moore? Um, yes and no. Yes, I, I, I do. If, if to me, if if if, if DJ feels that he, he should be the number one receiver, you need to go out there and prove it. It's it's it, it's that simple. It's 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 out there for you. You got to prove it, man. Robbie, yeah. Robbie consistently gets open. He, he he's crisp on his routes. R- Robbie's just a professional, man. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be shocked that the Jets let him go because they're trash. But that's another that's another show. That is another show. That teams are all over Robbie Anderson, and I, I you got to think DJ Moore. Essentially, the fans and the media essentially just anointed you the next D Smith. So one, you've got that to hell. Steve Smith anointed you the next Steve Smith. So right. you got that to live up to. And then some guy who doesn't even know that our mascot is not a bear comes <laughs> in. And he's, you know, he's he's getting your touches, and we know how wide receivers are about their number of touches. So if you're DJ Moore, the amount of pressure on you is immense. Every time the ball comes to you, you better catch it. And we saw the beginning of the game. What I text y'all, DJ Moore trash. but look how he started the game off i mean offensive pass interference calls some bad drops i mean he just he's got to own being the guy for the receiver court look i'm I'm glad you brought that up kaiser because that that dumb stuff that was happening in the first quarter the offensive pass interference the, the drop passes that is to me that is just signs of being disengaged and when and when a wide receiver becomes disengaged, it's dangerous. I, uh, hello, Kelvin Benjamin. Anybody remember that guy? The minute he got disengaged, it was over. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We we now listen. DJ Moore is more talented than Kelvin Benjamin is, and we are hoping that does not turn into the same situation. But I am hoping that the Panthers brass and coaching staff or whatever. Uh, it is, it's kind of going to nip that in the bud because I'm starting to see an alarming trend with DJ Moore. And for some reason, it's always, a, a, you know, really slow starts with DJ Moore. It's always in the first half. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and it's a trend that I, I just don't want to see going forward with him. So, I, I, quick question, man. Are, so, what do you guys feel about Curtis Samuel, man? I, he had a decent game today. Showed up in the second half. I mean – is 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 it too early to write him off? Listen, I, I, I will keep saying this until, until the cows come home, man. Curtis Samuel is the Malik Monk of the Carolina Panthers. At some point, at some point, the organization cannot be the blame at, at some point. Um, he's going into what? This is year three Four? for him? Four. Four? He came in with no. Christian. Look, man. I mean, at when, when is he when is he going to start being consistent? Because the talent is there now. I will say this: he, the Panthers using him in the back in the backfield is just I, I don't get it. I I I could look. They they know more football than I do. Maybe they know something I don't. But that looks like a clear misuse of his talent, to say the least. But with that being said, you have a guy with that type of speed that type of talent, and you put him in a slot, and it's still not working. You've used him almost in every capacity that you probably could have tried at this point, and nothing is working, man. So at, at some point, it's like, when do you really cut your losses? And I told y'all last week, it wouldn't surprise me if Bill Belichick gives us a call. Like, all right, I got some use for this guy. So I got I, I got a question. 
why can't the Carolina Panthers, maybe in at least in the last 15 years, we cannot develop wide receivers, not like other teams do. And I was hoping that with the Matt Rule era, we would see some change in that. Now, to be fair, Curtis Samuel came before Matt Rule and his coaching staff uh, came along. So it remains to be seen. We've, we haven't drafted a wide receiver yet. We drafted all defend, defensive players. So it remains to be seen in the future. But I got to think, like, what is it the Panthers can't do? I mean, you take a look at the Saints. And I know that Sean Payton is like this office of genius. But I, I feel like they've taken wide receivers that are okay and turned right. into these Hall of Fame type players. Michael Thomas, right. really? Did anyone think Michael Thomas? No, I didn't. No. no. Is. So, um, it's like we drafted people who are clearly talented, uh, DJ Moore, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Curtis Samuel, and like- listen, we we can go back to the to the uh, Kerry Colbert, Kerry Colbert, yeah, Kerry Colbert, and, and then Dwayne Jarrett days, and 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 listen, and and what what makes this question, uh, you know, even even more even more magnified. Is that we supposedly had this wide receivers, I don't know, guru for lack of a better term, in Ricky Pole, and it just outside of Steve Smith, when did it ever really crystallize for us, man? So good question. I some team look the Bears for some reason can't draft a good quarterback. The Panthers for some reason can't ever develop a wide receiver. I, I don't know if it's just team's luck, if it's just oh, bad juice or what, man. Smith. We didn't think he was going to be that good. We had him returning punts. He kind of had to force his way into being – remember, he's the number two guy behind Musin Muhammad until right. his breakout season in 2004. So it's like, why can't we – Look, and, and then Steve Smith was just built differently. Yeah, it's oh, almost yeah, like yeah. you don't even – yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Rodney, what you got? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, actually I, I got a question about – We've talked about the offense so far. The defense. Yeah, let's get to the defense. I I was actually kind of mad at the score because I felt like that was a 14-point performance from the defense. We really held the Cardinals to 14 points, and they kind the defense kind of took their foot off the gas at the end. Both the players and the coaches just kind of backed up some, and we let uh, the Cardinals get a garbage time touchdown. But I felt like K1 Short being back made a difference. It wasn't Absolutely. a huge difference, but you yeah. could tell Brian Burns was getting off because yeah. the middle was getting stuffed with Derrick Brown and K1 short. And it's and like look, shout, 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 shout out to Matos Gross as well, man. He made some plays today yeah. too, man. You yeah. Know, the, the the defenders were flying all over the field. Uh some missed tackle issues still linger, especially uh, kind of disappointing from Shaq Thompson. There was a uh you know, a, a play late, a screenplay that Shaq Thompson, to be fair, he got rubbed off by the tight end and that put him out of position. So so now it's a five-yard cushion in the running back that has to make hey, it. But- Kaz, you, you know what's strange about Shaq Thompson today? He, he had a very Dante Jackson-like game today. It, I, like, he made some really good plays today. Yeah, yeah. And then he made some really just head scratches today, too. Like, there was actually another screen pass where he sniffed it out perfectly. And he did – and there was, like, two or three plays like that. But then on the other hand, it's like, come on, dude. You're in year seven, eight, and you're, and you're missing these kind of tackles. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of surprising seeing that from Shaq Thompson, man. He's usually a bit more consistent than that. I, think I do – go ahead. Not, well, I was just going to say, not having Luke there is – is a huge adjustment for him. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. I think, I, and I'm, so that's why I'm willing to give him a pass. He's he's really got to come into his own now. It's him. It's no more Luke. It's no more TD. It's you. And, 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 and I'm, I want to give a shout out to uh, Justin Burris and Jeremy Chin, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Those those guys were flying all over the field. Like, I understand that we have a very very young defense, but this 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 injection of youth has made a big difference on this roster. And I, like, I, I agree. And, and I'm just excited week by week just to kind of see the ways that they improve. Next week is going to be the big test against uh, Julio. Atlanta. Julio yeah. and Calvin Ridley, who we probably should have. Never mind. But uh, <laughs> next, next week is going to be the real true test. And I, I'm, I'm just excited to, to, to actually see what we do next week. 
You know, well, speaking of the young guys, man, um, I also want to throw uh, Troy Pride here real, real quickly, oh, man, yeah. because there there was one series that kind of encompasses what these young guys are kind of giving us, man. So, you know, the, the Carters put a good little drive together, man, and they're on the goal line, and uh, Troy Troy Pride actually made two plays. Well, you know, where he kind of seals off the edges and he, and he makes two really good tackles on, on, on the goal line. And then the next play, you know, he gets burned for the touchdown. And to me, that was just kind of a microcosm of what we're going to see from this young defense, and, oh, yeah. you know, with, with him included. But with, with that being said, man, it's it's going to be the growing pains. And I, and I also want to see, you know, how, how he can improve along with those other young guys, too, man. I, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. And then, like, what's up with to to hear Whitehead, man? I I I, 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 I don't know, man. I, like <laughs> him and Jermaine Carter, it's it's just like we need we need to upgrade that position. Like, absolutely, I, absolutely. To, to for for us to get to the next level, I, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about the front four or the back the back end, but. But the, but the linebackers is just kind of soft to me. And, 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 you know, speaking of that, Rodney, you know, I mentioned earlier about kind of like Jeremy Chen even being a linebacker in some of those packages. And the thing is, you shouldn't have to do that. You get what I'm yeah. saying? You, you shouldn't have to rely on a rookie who is, uh, you know, considered a safety to help out your linebacking course. That shouldn't be the case. But to your point, man, it's like it's kind of necessary because when he's off the field, we see the results. Yeah. And, I, Whitehead is in my personal doghouse, man. Like, contract aside, he's like the Nick Batum of the Panthers right now, man. Like, seriously, dude. Like, step it up, man. Hopefully he can turn into, like, a Marvin Williams useful. <laughs> that kind of useful. Yeah, I, the linebacker core is going to be a concern. It was – actually, it was starting to become a concern last season. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, besides Luke, who even – by his own regressed. Yeah, did, did, you know, I don't know if his heart wasn't anymore. He was, you know, he was contemplating retirement at that time. But we started to see it some last season, and that's that's. I feel like that's even a bigger issue than the secondary is, um, because if your front seven solid, we've seen this in Carolina for at least the last decade. Your front solid seven, your back end can be, it can be right. Um, so. We really got to find a way to shore that up. Really, I just think it's a leadership thing. Someone's got to step up. I don't expect Jeremy Chen to because he's a rookie. But if right. he does, hey, more power to you. I think that will go a long way if people or the coaches are like, man, this guy just came to the, into the league and look at how right. he's leading the, his, you know, his position. So. I got a question for you guys. So in our GM, Marty Herney, Marty Herney has drafted John Beeson, Luke Keekley. Um, Dan Morgan, three really good linebackers. How telling is it that this same general manager, when we had a huge need for a linebacker, passes on Isaiah Simmons? How telling is that? I don't think that was his choice completely. I mean, yeah. I know we, we talk about this with the Hornets all the time. The owner is not the GM. But we know that <laughs> – I wish you could repeat that 75 yeah, more times. Go ahead. Not the GM – However, I do think, you know, the GM is not alone when he makes the decisions. They have a big room and they have a lot of people who give their two cents. And I do think that the owner has some say in that. And they're looking at, first of all, you look at Derek Brown, the school that he went to, his name, just his name and his draft status was enough to get people talking about the Carolina Panthers. And I think that had a lot to do with that particular uh, pick. I mean, I'm I'm not unhappy with the pick at all. And I feel like Derrick Brown has played pretty well uh, the first few weeks of the season. Um, but like you said, it's like, you know, you never really draft for need. It's always best player available. But sometimes right. you can get both. Sometimes yeah. I think that, that this draft was a – was uh, one of those drafts where I think maybe we could have gotten both. But having said that, I'm happy with Derrick Brown. I like what I saw today with him and Short on the field at the same time. Um, hopefully that's something that the coaching staff can foster and we get good results out of it. Rodney, what you say? So, Jamal, I got a, I, I got a question for both of you guys. So, 
how would you grade the improvement of the coaching staff the first four games of the season? The first quarter, if the first quarter is done, what was your grade? Look, man, I, I don't know if I'm gonna answer that directly, but I, I am definitely gonna eat a little crow. I, I really am, man, because the I mean the marked improvement is obvious. You you get what I'm saying? We went from like that that first, you know, those first two weeks of the season, and I'm like, man, I don't know how we can win five games. I look at this game today. And it, listen, this is the important part of what I'm about to say. And I look at the rest of the division, and I'm like, um, we might. So, yeah. Can we win this damn division? Now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, around and division. And look, and and the key and the key component is that to that is if we keep seeing this trend of improvement every week, that is a real possibility. But it's also a big if as well. Um, next week is going to be very telling. I think that is going to really tell us exactly where we are. The Falcons have had their struggles, but unfortunately we have had uh, our own struggles against them the last, I don't even know how many games it is now, man. So I think next week, man, is just a good gauge to really, really see where this football team is at, man. I agree because the Falcons are always going to think they can beat us because Because that's because they have lately. <laughs> Even the the year that we went to the Super Bowl, our one loss was against Atlanta. So so Atlanta is going to come in with that confidence, and this this is this might be a chance to get that monkey off of our back. Um, but to answer the question about the improvement of the coaching staff, the improvement from week one to week four, in my opinion, has been massive. Like yeah. it's noticeable. In the results, I, I, for instance, I felt like we should have won the first game one won against the Raiders, and a coaching mistake cost us that game. Now, to be fair, uh, we haven't been in that same situation as we were, but I can already tell a difference in the play calling and some of the decisions uh, that Matt Rule makes. For instance, he notices that the Cardinals make a substitution with 10 seconds left in the play clock. So what does he do? He makes a substitution. It didn't even matter. It, it, he probably just said, hey, you, you get in the game. Because that was, now, yes, I noticed that, yeah. Keep running until the Panthers finish, you know, their substitution and the Cardinals were forced to either burn a timeout or take the delay a game penalty and they, you know, they burned the timeout, which actually ended up, you know, being helpful because at the end of the game, they had no more timeouts to stop the clock yep. to run the clock out. That's a huge thing in the NFL. That was, I know it seems small, but that is a huge, huge thing in the NFL. Yeah, um, but those those small things win and lose you football yeah, games. Exactly. So yeah. to go two and two in the first four weeks of the season is huge. No, there isn't a person you can talk to that would have been like, oh yeah, I had the Panthers going two and two. Right. But a, a chance to go three and two against a division rival. There's no one in the world who would have thought that. So and so you got to credit the coaching staff. For that, especially considering the gaps in talent on the end, our best player is on injured reserve, and so yeah. that, that I got to give the credit to Matt Rule and his staff. So that is a perfect segue to ask the next question, fellas. Predictions for next week against those dreaded Atlanta <laughs> Falcons. I'm gonna let the guy who got it right go first. What you got, Kaiser? This is going to sound cliche at this point, but the Panthers go down. Big early and come back. <laughs> and I know Falcons fans are going to no, watch, watch, because the Falcons are going to come in with a lot of confidence. They haven't played very well. They are kind of, you know, they're, they're mean now. They're going to come into this game with a lot of confidence, and they're going to come out, and they're going to punch us in the mouth. And then I think Matt Rule is going to get his guys together, going to settle them down and be like, let's do what we do best. And I think they're going to – I think – Teddy's going to lead us lead us back because offensively the Falcons have always been good. They've always been better than the Panthers, honestly. Yeah. Uh, as far as well-rounded offense, defensively though, I think that's the Falcons' Achilles' heel this season. That's why they're able to allow so many backs. And the Panthers' offense ain't looked that bad at all. No, nah, it really hasn't. And I think uh, I think we can give the Falcons some some real problems. So my final. Score. I'm gonna say uh, Anthony Badia says 28-3. I'm gonna say uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say 21-14. I think the, the Falcons go up two touchdowns. 
Panthers come back, score three ends unanswered, and, and we take one on the road. Rodney, what you got? Uh, man, that 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 offense with 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 Julio and Ridley, man, it's it's a lot. It could be overwhelming to, to contain. Um, I'm gonna go with the loss. I'm gonna go 31, 35 uh, Falcons. Uh, th- this game is down in Atlanta, correct? Yeah. 31, 35 Falcons. We split this season with them, but they take this first matchup. All right. Um, I am. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna take a high scoring affair here. I, I am gonna go Falcons 38, Panthers 35. Um, I think Matt Ryan is arguably the best quarterback we we have faced uh, that we're going to face up to that up to that point. Um, that's going to be a big test for our young secondary, which is what I'm most worried about. I'm not really worried about us uh, scoring on them. I'm not really worried about their defense. I'm specifically worried about those young guys going up against you know that beast that 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 man Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley man. Um, again, high scoring affair. Uh, what did I say? 38, 35. I, I would say the Falcons barely, but let me, let me be very clear. Let me be very clear about something. I will be more than happy to be wrong next week. Oh, Cause, oh, look. cause oh, listen, I, I am sick of those dirty birds down there. I am sick and tired of losing to the Falcons. So I yeah, am yeah. hoping I am wrong. Can't give so, them their first win of the season. So, absolutely. Season. Absolutely. Carol, I guess the Panthers, uh, we'd never hear the end of that, no, no. matter how the season uh, turned out. So that's yeah. a that's a huge game. And I, and I think, you know, with the divisional games, those, that's always where you can really tell where your team is. I, I still don't feel like we sh- – I don't feel like we should have lost against Tampa. I felt like that was – and we let slip away. And, if, and I think we're going to see a huge difference later in the season when we play them again. So, um, so very telling game next week. Um, I'm uh, actually a little excited about this game, and boy, I tell you, if we come back against the Falcons, oh my. Then, look, Danny's gonna have to block me. Number one, that's 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 the Danny. I don't know, I don't, and I don't know if Perlal Faulkner is watching us today. Those two guys will have to block me off Facebook if we if that happens next week. Rodney, you were saying something, man. So if 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 we win if we win that game on Thursday night next Thursday, Danny, I'm getting Danny on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, he and has no name, choice. And his name in the bottom is going to be Sir Per. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it, man. Book it. So All right, guys. Oh, go ahead. I got a question. So who's your offensive and defensive MVP today? Guys, I'm let you go first. Uh, offense. I, got, I got to think. Mike Davis, offense. Uh, defense. Ah. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say Brian Burns. He had he had a big, huge play. That turnover was huge. Put the Panthers up uh, three scores, essentially two scores. Um, yeah, those are my guys. Brian Burns, Mike Davis. Uh, I'm gonna go Robbie Anderson, offensive MVP, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go Jeremy Chin, defensive MVP, and and specifically with Jeremy Chin. Just you know, for the reasons I stated early in the show, man, I just think the different the, the proof was in the pudding when he was off the field, and I think containing Kyler Murray was the biggest key for that defense to win the day. And Jeremy Ke- Jeremy Chen was the biggest cog for that to happen. So therefore, I think he was more valuable than anybody else on the field today, defensive wise. Uh, offense, I'm going. I'm going Joe Brady. Uh, <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> I love the white look. Look, if, if you continue to call games like that, I'm going to continue to eat crow and be proud of it. Uh, defense, man, I, I'm going. I'm going with Chin. Chin, uh, that he, I, I got a serious question. Is, is is he the is he our best defensive player on the team? Yes, yes, right. And so far up to this point, yes, absolutely. yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, he's led the team in total tackles the last three weeks. Yeah, I mean. Hey man, look, we already got something right out outside the first round, so I, I, I can't complain too much. So guys, um, we have an unfortunate segue into the next topic here. Um, the NBA Finals. First and foremost, I want to talk about something, man. Apparently, the ratings are the lowest in NBA Finals history with a loaded Los Angeles Lakers team led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Fellas. Why are the ratings for the NBA finals during the pandemic 
so low. What are your thoughts? Uh, let me be real with you, man. Uh, people have fatigue with, with LeBron. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's been with 10 out of the past 11 years he's in the final. LeBron fatigue. Uh, Miami does not have that star power. I mean, Jimmy Butler is, is, is among basketball circles. He's a cult figure. He's, he's, he's a star. Nationally, he's, he's, he's not that guy. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but some people are turned off by, I guess, the fight for equality. So it's – yeah. You know that's a big no-no. It's a trend. But, it's, I mean, it's, it's a trend among all sports. Viewerships, your viewership is kind of down amongst all sports. But it's, it's the second year in a row. Second year in a row, the NBA Finals have been down a lot. So yeah. the NBA needs to do something. I think. Kaiser, if, what you got? If people don't feel like the finals are competitive, they will not watch. People don't feel like this finals is competitive. The two lowest-rated NBA Finals in the past two decades is this year and. 2007, when LeBron James led the Cleveland Cavaliers and the CNH him and the Spurs, and they got swept, and no, and everyone knew they were going to get swept, so yeah. nobody watched it. We're that's where we are this year. Nobody feels like Miami has a chance against LeBron and Anthony Davis in the right. So no one's talking. It. I do think the LeBron fatigue is somewhat of a thing. Um, but people tend to gravitate towards dominance at the same time. People, I mean, there was no Michael Jordan fatigue when the Bulls were going to the finals every so, year. So, uh, let, me, let me ask you, so Kaiser, what's dominance? Is dominance uh, <laughs> 4-10, 10-4, uh, whatever? I mean, six with six. I mean, what, what exactly is dominance? I mean, yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm look. People, LeBron fans going to kill me, but, but it's I mean, a fair question. It's a fair question. Okay, it yeah, is. So I, I and that is the argument I use all the time when people talk about who's who's the goat, and it's like LeBron's dominance falls right below the 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 pinnacle, which is winning the championship. LeBron has been dominant up until that point. I mean, he's won championships. He's about to win four of them, but. The, I mean, I don't think there was any dominance. Uh, for instance, he's he's never won more than two in a row, which is something that a lot of players have done. Michael Jordan won three in a row twice. So uh, so there's that. But the thing is, LeBron James is a polarizing figure for a lot of different reasons. And I do think that him making the final, there are some people that would only watch just to see him lose. And it doesn't look like he's going to lose. So those people are <laughs> I mean, I'm not really watching the NBA. It's on in the background, but I know. I'm not really I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm not as engaged as I usually am, man. And no, I, I, mean, I, I was going to say, I, I watched every game of the Raptors-Warriors last year, and that was kind of a foregone conclusion, too, because, you know, Steph, Clay, and KD were all injured. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's just <sighs> – I read a, a real quick. I read today the last dance. Every episode of the last dance has had more viewers than the NBA Finals. Wow! Instead of Michael Jordan's the goal. Well, listen, man. I, I, I want first. I want to talk about a couple of things. First, I want to get to my reasons why I think the the, the finals are so lowly rated, and I think it's because all of those reasons. I I, I literally do. Plus, one other reason I think <clears throat> the finals are so lowly rated. Yeah, you got to understand, man, when you figure these ratings into anything, you have to figure what casual fans are feeling. The hardcore NBA dudes, even when we're going to watch it in the background, it's still being watched. Yeah. Casual fans, if, the, if they're not into it, your, your ratings are going to dip, man. Think about it. Right now, we have the NBA Finals. We have Major League Baseball playoffs. We have hockey we have football, which is the main thing. We have football going on at the same time. With all those sports going on at one time, you can't. nobody's going to watch everything. So something is going to suffer, and the NBA Finals are going to suffer. On top of that, the, there are people who don't like the fight of equality. There are people who think Black Lives Matter is, is a very ugly term that, that carries on a you know different meaning than what it's intended for. Uh, all those things matter. All those things are, are key components into, you know, to people not watching. And plus, there is 
LeBron and Lakers fatigue, man. I want to talk about that specifically. So, <laughs> look, man, when, when people get into these Michael Jordan, LeBron debates, which I try my best to stay away from these days, but we're here, so we got to get into it a little bit. Here's my thing. Anthony Davis is at least a top five player in the NBA. When he signed with the Lakers, and Kaz, you said the same thing last week. I was already like, it's a foregone conclusion. There's nobody stopping those. You're not going to stop two of the best five players in the league. It's just not going to happen. That is coming into fruition now. So my question is, guys, as hardcore Hornets fans, as fans of a small market team, are we sick and tired of certain players just kind of, I don't know, creating their own teams? Is, is, is there fatigue in that as well? I mean, to me, yes. I mean, certain organizations like the Lakers, uh, the Knicks, they, they, they will have unlimited opportunities to fail upwards because of the market that they're in. The Clippers can be inept for all these years land one guy and then now now all of a sudden they're they're a destination place right i mean it's 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 always going to be the battle of the have and have nots in the nba um i'm gonna be real with you man like over the years i've become less engaged because i realize that's an uphill battle that we may not be able to climb fully like it's it's i'm going to be quite honest with you like we can make all the right decisions and still not be where we want to be. And still not be anywhere close to where a, we want to be. AKA like, the Portland Trailblazers. Because I've always thought that was an organization that has done everything right. But because of all those reasons you just said, just can't ever get over the hump. I mean, if, if, even if you look at the Pacers. The Pacers, have been, the Pacers have been a model organization within the NBA. They've always been competitive. They do not tank. They draft well. And they've 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 never been able to get that final free agent piece or pieces to get them over the edge because who the hell wants to live in Indianapolis? <laughs> right. I'm gonna be real with you. Yeah. I'm be real. Like people always talk about heat culture. I'm like, ain't no damn heat culture. You live in fucking Miami. You live in South Beach. I think there's <laughs> South, South Beach South culture. Beach. You live you live in South Beach culture, and, and, and you have beautiful women there, and and and, and jet skis and. <laughs> And thoughts and everything. So I mean, cocaine, cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Like, cocaine. Yeah, right. cocaine. <laughs> what you got on this, man? LeBron knows about. Let me quit. I, uh, I don't know if there's so much super team fatigue as there is just fatigue about the lack of parity in the NBA. We talk about this. We've been talking about this for a, for year a long time about how there's no parity in the NBA, and they gotta do something to fix it. Uh, we and we've seen what parity can do. Parity is now the reason why the Miami Heat are in the finals instead of the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. I I hold firm that if the Heat had to travel to those places to play those games, they wouldn't have won those series. The talent level might be equal, but home court advantage is a thing, and that was eliminated. That's a big part of the playoff grind is having to go play teams on their home court that's been eliminated so you get a degree of parity there so now obviously if this ever goes back to a normal nba season we can't just eliminate home and away games and have them play in neutral courts so the nba has to figure out a way to to achieve parity because i look at a team like the charlotte hornets i don't care what some of our fans say the hornets are in a really good position now yeah we drafted well the last two years we have a good, young, talented core. We have a guy who maybe should have been most improved player. We have uh, an all-rookie team pick, and we have another guy that won the Rising Stars MVP in spectacular fashion, really. The Hornets are in a good place. I mean, but it doesn't okay. mean anything. It doesn't mean anything unless we either, unless you know, the number three pick ends up being a generational talent, which is unlikely, or we get some huge free agent splash which is also unlikely. The NBA has to do something to make it to where all the teams can be competitive, even in a super team uh, context. And yeah, I think that has a lot to do with the, the NBA finals ratings. I, I think 
I mean, if, if you know, I mean, we're all just awaiting for Kyrie Irving and KD to get healthy next year, right? Yeah, because pretty much. Pretty much. The finals next year. It's going to be LeBron and AD versus Kyrie and KD and, and, and may, maybe Steph Curry when, when the Warriors get healthy. But what's going to happen is that the league is in top heavy again. You've got the Lakers, you've got the Warriors, you've got the Nets, and then uh, maybe the Clippers. If, I don't know if they're going to fall apart or whatnot. These reports coming out that nobody even liked Paul George. It's it's kind of weird. Of all the people on your team and not like, you pick Paul George? Why <laughs> Leonard? I don't I don't hey, God. Guys, I want to get your really quick thoughts on this next question. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because this is something that just kind of popped up in my in my brain, man. Quick thoughts on Doc Rivers going to the Sixers. Oh, well, friends. let me say, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to see Philadelphia getting out. <laughs> I, I don't know if Doc Rivers is – Doc Rivers is a good NBA coach. I don't think you can take that from him. Having said that, you look at his record outside of the championship that he won with, you know, one of the, the best teams of the decade. You know, he had a super team. How hard is it to coach? I could have coached that team to the championship that year. So outside of that, what does he really have to show? Early playoff exits and some major collapses, plural. You know, it's one thing to have like one major collapse coming, you know, three, you lost the series, you're up 3-1, but you've got three now? Right. Right. Speaking of that, Kaiser, and I'm going to let you go, Roddy, because I, I just want to say this because it's a perfect segue. I don't understand why Doc Rivers, who has all the options in the world for some reason, like I, the NBA loves them some Doc Rivers. He's the, he's the, he, I, well, I'm going to go that far. I was going to say he's the Marvin Lewis of the NBA, but I don't know if I want to go that far. <laughs> but my, my question is I don't know why he would leave one dysfunctional family to go to the other dysfunctional family. It just seems like a setup for failure, in my opinion. Yes, Philly is a good team, but they have massively underachieved for the last four to five years. So I don't know if he just wanted the challenge. I don't know if it was the money. Who knows? I just don't know why you leave one dysfunction for the other. Rodney, what you got? I think he's a glutton, a glutton for pain. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that Philly thing can be enticing. You can dangle uh, Ben Simmons out there. There they have been reports that they they're looking to acquire the number one pick to draft Lamelo uh, and, and pair him with Embiid because he he has star power, so to speak. But I'm, Elton Brand mucked up that whole situation in Philadelphia, and I so don't. Are you saying that he found out the hard way that being a GM is not as easy as it looks? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> he, he put like this, man. Like, I don't see a path for them to get out the second round of the playoffs next year. I don't even know if they go to the second round. You got you, you got Katie Kyrie. Toronto's going to be back. Milwaukee is going to get better. They're going to find a way to get better. Boston is going to be a year within the system together. Miami is in the finals this year, and then you got Indiana. And then you got Chicago with a whole new front office. Who they they, they might even go for it. Atlanta's going to be better. Orlando is going to be in, in that race. So I don't know what Doc does. I, like I, I I don't see if, if I'm Doc. First, I don't went to Houston. I don't went to Houston. Anything can happen in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> it, it's an easier path in the East. No one has correctly picked. Who's come out of the East, like, since since LeBron left the Cavs? Look, look, let me say this, because that is true. Now, I, I don't know if I agree with easy pass, but it is damn sure unpredictable the last two or three years. Most definitely. I'm not, I don't know if, if Philly's problem is the coaching, but clearly there was some disconnect there in which, you know, you have all this talent. In, in the together. And maybe Doc Rivers could be the difference. The question, like you said, is, is that going to be enough to get past – the Nets, who are obviously going to be really good, the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics. Philadelphia is the fourth best team in their division. <laughs> Damn. Think about this. Toronto's better. 
Boston's better, and Brooklyn will be better. Yeah, you got a point. All I right, mean, guys. I mean, they're constructed like a 1990s team. You got Al Horford on, on one side of the block. You got Joel on the other side of the block. You got a point guard who can't shoot. <laughs> you got Tobias Harris, hey, who's, freaky, hey, who's really look, his best position is a power forward. <laughs> look, we're, we're, we're going to move on from that topic, but when they signed Al Horford, that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Guys, we don't have a lot of time, so we got to squeeze this unfortunate topic in here really quickly. We got five, like five minutes. The uh, baby, famous rapper from Charlotte, did a video shoot on on Sugar Creek uh, Road out of all the places. And unfortunately, violence erupted as expected. I hate to say it that way, but damn it, that's how I feel. Um, nobody got killed. I'm glad nobody got killed. Let, let's be clear about that first. Guys, what are your thoughts on this, man? Oh, boy. So, Charlotte, this is crazy. Some of our viewers may not know this. Charlotte has a history of shooting at rappers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The band. Machine Gun Kelly. Walk the band. Chief Keith. Yeah. I, so, uh, Rick Ross can't even come into the city. Cats on the north side was like, nah, I don't think so. He had to cancel a concert because they was like, we're going to shoot up your tour bus if you come to Charlotte. I don't really know what that's about. I mean, I, I've talked to people. And I've heard some stories, but the baby's one of our own. What, what's going on? What is going on with that? Kaiser, let me tell you what's going on with that. I'm going to tell you right now. Heard, listen, Lil Boosie said the best. He said, the people in your own hometown hate you the most when you become successful. Yeah. It is as simple yeah. as that. That's it. Yeah, that's true. And, and I, look, I, it's, a, it's a topic that I'm seriously tired of talking about, man. I'm going to end my thoughts on this note, man. I look there. We could, this is another show for another day. We could go on and on about this, man, but I am sick and tired of Americans. I'm not going to even put it on one group. I am sick and tired of American people who have this, this attraction to violence all the damn time. Look, man, I love me some shoot 'em up movies. I love seeing violence in, in cinema. I, I do. But I know how to separate that from real life. And there are way too many Americans who don't, who don't, who, who, who don't think about consequences before they think, man. I was actually going to say young black men because, of course, that's closest to my heart. But it ain't just young black men. It's every damn body, man. And, and I, I'm, I'm sick of it, man. So if y'all yeah. got any thoughts, please share them. It's hard for me to think that it was some cats in at home polishing their guns like, we're going to get this cat. Right. We're it's probably people that he knew. I mean, it's, it's it's always the ones that know you, came up with you, and they didn't get as high as you. Right. Oh, we're we going to get this sucker. Hey, man. Right, right, right. Gonna, he'll learn today. It's, hey, it's man. Always those guys, man. Why don't he shoot his next video on Valentine or Dilworth? <laughs> <laughs> you, you already know. You know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Jealousy is a hell of a disease, man. But anyway, guys, um, fun show as always, man. It's always a good time every week, man. Uh, shout outs, shout acts. What y'all got? Who wants to go first? Um, there's no hoax. Wear a mask. And I want to say something. Try Jesus. Don't try me. Got no hands. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, what you got. Uh, shout out to LeBron James Jr., little blue Bronny, who was two wins away from getting a butt whooping when dad comes back home for smoking <laughs> on the gram. This all happened. This all happened. <laughs> you know how when you was a kid, you knew you was going to get a whooping when your daddy got home, and you would be yeah. like, man, I hope you forget. You're trying to clean the house, you cook it, you're doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> hey, no, you can do, Bronny. You just gotta take that photo up and like a man. You, you gotta take that. Yeah, look, and I hope LeBron do it on Instagram too, just to show him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you embarrass me. <laughs> um, no, no shout outs or shout outs for me, but here's my parting shot for the week, man. Everybody who is listening and watching, of course, always thank you for your continued support, man. Um, but here's my parting shot, everybody. The pandemic is not over just because we're tired of it. Look, it's hard to tell Americans to not do things. It's hard to tell Americans to stay home. It is hard to tell Americans to not go to the bar. It is hard to tell Americans to not go to football games. University of Georgia, y'all check that out online. But but everybody, 
COVID is not packing up and going home because we're tired of it. It's not the way it works. Um, I don't have the answers. Do your research. Follow suit. Fellas, as always, thank y'all. Next week, we will look. Next week, I will be wrong about the Falcons, and we will come back here and celebrate next week. Fellas, y'all be good, man. Yep. We'll see you, Danny. See you, hey, see you, Danny. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>